You are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. But everybody, I have some really bad news, but not not totally bad news. Um, it's just going to be me today. Uh, everybody, say some prayers for our boy Griffin. Um, he's not. He's feeling under the weather today. But don't worry because next week he will be back in the studio with us so we can have a great time and talk more about coffee and calling. But again, please just pray for him as he is recovering from a bit of like flu-like symptoms and everything. So yeah. Um, But needless to say, even though it's just me today, the great part about it is that we have a guest and this guest is one of my childhood friends. We came up together as two pastor kids and uh, he's going to tell you more about himself, but it is my honor and privilege to welcome filmmaker, (laughs) Star Wars fanatic, Madden Hall of Famer, Clay Crawford. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> so Clay, for everybody listening, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing at IWU, and kind of, yeah, anything about us, about about you that we would need to know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the introduction pretty much said it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, my name is Clay Crawford, and I'm a senior here at Indiana Wesleyan, three months away from the real world. <laughs> three months away. Yeah, so I, uh, like Dan said, um, both grew up pastors, kids, uh, different coasts, right? Uh, I grew up in Southern Maryland, a little bit in Delaware. Um, my dad was a pastor in Delaware for about 13 years. And then, well, like 13 years ago, we moved mm-hmm. to Southern Maryland. Uh, shout out Laura Wesley. Shout out Laura Wesley, <laughs> right? Where it all began. Um, yeah, so uh, dad, pastor, mom, worship leader, church has always been like, the thing in my life. It's always been there. Um, it's like the air I breathe. You can't really escape it, but no, it's good. Um, yeah, I came to IWU and uh, just been exploring what it looks like to actually do ministry mm. in the real world. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you kind of see it from afar for your whole life and then you mm. see what it actually takes to do it. Um, and it can be a little scary, but I'm excited. So let me tell me like, let me tell like my calling story right now. No, not yet. Oh, Whoa. dude. Oh, I'm skipping ahead. You hear this guy, everybody? He is like, he's ready to get after dude, I'm it. amped. I'm ready. Everybody listening, you need to be that adamant about sharing the testimony of Lord and you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but um, no, I think that's like really, it is really interesting, like growing up as a pastor's kid and mm-hmm. seeing it from so afar. It's almost like you see so much, but there's still so much to understand about it. Um, And as you kind of get more into minutes, I don't know if you feel this, but has there been like any moments where like, as you start doing ministry, mm-hmm. you start connecting some dots from like your childhood or the way that you would see things get done and everything? Yeah, absolutely. The, one of the ways this summer, even um, doing ministry in a different context uh, in Greensville, South Carolina, um, in a different economic status that I was used to kind of mm-hmm. a little different than the comfortable status I've been used to. Um, 
I got to see uh, kind of a, a little under the surface of what pastors uh, actually are like going through in the everyday in the challenge in a small church. Uh, I saw like the hardships in my own family and the challenges and the joys, but like my parents, they did a great job of trying to also keep a good, healthy family balance. Um, so getting to connect and see for myself and oh, what does like full-time ministry look like? Like as a kid, you see it, but you know, your parents are, they can be strong and they can kind of put up this, um, this kind of protection for you. Um, but then once you see it yourself and you're in it, you realize, oh my goodness, like there's so much they don't even tell me. Um, and so much that they handle, um, as they're serving the Lord. And so kind of a new thankfulness, honestly, yeah. like a new thankfulness, like, oh my goodness, my parents, like, this is not just another job. This is tough. This yeah. is an everyday thing and balancing family and work and ministry. It's, it's not easy. And honestly, a bigger respect for my parents than I ever had just yeah. seeing that like, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's encouraging. It's almost like when you, <sighs> there's these moments where I sit there and I saw my parents go through certain things or things happen in the church. And, you know, you see the disappointment on their face or you see mm -hmm. just different things, hardship come on them. And then you actually feel it for yourself and you understand kind of, I don't think they were protecting us, but especially mm -hmm. for me and you as going into ministry, um, it was almost like it's not their time yet to like understand mm -hmm. that. Like they don't have to go into it with all these fears that ABC is going to happen. They're going to yeah. have their own experience as pastors and ministers um, of the word. And that's the one thing is that everybody's kind of experience is different, but there's this beautiful community of those who are, and I hope anybody who's listening, whatever your job profession is, you find this community with everybody that's been called into a certain profession that as believers, we all have this different experience, but this mutual respect and like, understanding of what one another are going through and um that's that's really helped me with my relationship with my parents too because mm. i've been like yeah. man now i know what y'all were feeling and it's like almost like almost like a they're still my parents above all else but this peer-to-peer -peer of like man like i just have so much respect for you guys now well even more than i already had so yeah and even as um even as you go to college and you experience new forms of ministry and new environments, you can, you can see things. Nobody's perfect, right? You can see ministry in a new light and you can see, uh, yeah, like my parents didn't get everything right. Mm -hmm. Nobody's parents got everything right. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, it's easy to come back and be super judgmental of little things or big things or whatever it is. Um, so I've been in the, even in the process of just realizing as I'm in it, the kind of grace that um, that kind of knew like just abounds because I see the challenges and the hard decisions, right? And be like, oh, if like I don't know what I would have done in that decision, like I don't know what I would have done. Um, they did the best they could, mm -hmm. and so um, it's not it's nobody does it perfect, but there's a new respect, like you said, for the hard choices that have to be made in following Christ and leading others and shepherding them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's hard decisions that come up, and for anybody listening, understand that if you are a person that's seeking your call into ministry and you're just now into it, I've, I agree totally with the, what you said, Clay. There is that temptation that you're going to think that you know it all now mm. because you just started learning about ministry stuff. 
And it's like you look at the church today in America and you're going to, and we, there needs to be criticism on things. That's not what I'm saying. But when we take like these few things that we disagree with, and it's almost like we throw it all away because we're like, no, this is how my ministry is going to go. This is how I'm mm. going to do it. And if you think that, that's, o- that's okay. So that means you're going to have to start a ministry where you're never going to want anything to go a certain way that you don't see fully in your head and you want it to go that perfect way. And if you do that, that's how we get, sadly, corrupt systems of narcissistic yeah. leaders. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> and, like we, our frustrations, um, they can come from such a healthy place, mm-hmm. right? We see the gospel and then we see the structures we've made sometimes and they don't, they don't align. Yeah. And we become a disillusioned. <laughs> and that's some of that's good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, constantly throughout scripture, we see people deconstructing systems that don't align with God's heart, right? Mm-hmm. Prophets like Ezekiel and Hosea are um, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is deconstructing the kind of like comforting sayings all these prophets are saying and saying, no, like you're missing the heart of it. You're mm-hmm. missing the heart of God's actual message to you. Jesus, you know, you've heard it said, right? Mm-hmm. Systems that have come into place. Um, but if we're not careful, we can then create systems ourselves in our own image. Mm-hmm. So instead of... Um, creating a ministry that ultimately hopes to look more like Jesus, right? His way of life. We can personalize our ministry to our wants and desires in reaction to our parents or our grandparents' faith. Um, Instead of just stripping away what doesn't look like Jesus, Mm -hmm. even if that's some of the things that we want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, um, who said this to me the other day? I think it was Dave Smith. I think it was. Mm. Dave, oh, Dave Smith. Love Dave him. Smith. We've probably talked about him about on like almost every episode. But um, of course, love it. He he said this really good thing. He said, you know, what's funny, Daniel, because I was telling him some of my like, you know, why is it this way and everything? He's like, I've noticed that each generation, not every single one of them do something perfect. And he's like, that's mm-hmm. the beauty behind new generations is that they see what we don't see sometimes because we've got so caught up. And he said, but I want you to listen to me. May that be humbling that there will probably be a generation that comes after yours that will see the things that you guys didn't see. Yes. And that's the point is that understanding we have an obligation as the new generation to come up to really see the ways that things don't look like Jesus and be like, hey, maybe we should fix that Mm. and do that. But I think one thing that we could do to stop a certain pattern is stop not getting so involved with that that we forget that there's so many other things and that we have to look at those problems and say, hey, we're going to invest in these things without neglecting other things that were not almost like underneath it so that we too don't face that problem of like, you know, we're going to be really extreme about this one issue Mm, and then let all these other issues stay in their seed and then eventually grow into like this forest of problems. And we're like, well, at least we did that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and keeping ourselves to the best of our abilities. Yeah, from these blind spots that mm-hmm. we are, yeah, uh, I guess purposefully ignorant of sometimes. Um, and I think this this whole discussion of what does what does it mean to to deconstruct the past to move forward, mm-hmm. um, the kind of cycles that we get in. Um, I think it's easy to view our life right? As kind of this forward progression um, because it feels good to be post something, right? Yeah. Post-conservative, <laughs> post-liberal, right? Yeah. 
post egalitarian, post complementarian, yeah. um, post anything feels really good. Mm-hmm. And not to say a sort of moral relativism, like nothing actually matters. You shouldn't hold convictions, but yeah. I've wrecked, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm not going like, I'm not, I'm going to hold no convictions because I'll eventually turn on them and then I'll have to look back, you know? Um, but it's a, it takes humility to realize, oh my goodness. Like I would have said something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Pastor Ethan Linder just was talking to him yesterday, College West, and he said, it's hard not to view others simply as a rough draft of yourself. You know, you know, you come out of a church and you, and you think, ah, they're just the draft version of what I am now. I've progressed more fully into that, right? Yo. And before anyone thinks like that you can escape it, you know, you can be... <laughs> Atheists can deconstruct, Christians can deconstruct, anyone can deconstruct, and no one's safe from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about how we do that. I think that ultimately leads to Jesus or it leads to more of our own personalized identity. Say that again because people need to note that one <laughs> quote about, the, say the rough draft thing again. Yeah, quick. yeah. I'm, I mean, if we think about it, we can see others through the lens of our own self-progress. You know, I'm becoming, we naturally want to see ourselves in this mountain journey of who we're becoming. That's good, right? But we can naturally become judgmental of the place others are walking often when they're walking a similar path that we have and they're not yet where we are right now. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is when you are 10 years on the road, someone may be where you were at, Mm -hmm. you know? but you still see them as a rough draft because you're somewhere else now. Come on. You're, you're expecting everyone else to play catch up where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just had to recognize like, man, my language hasn't always been fruitful and encouraging and full of grace. And I'm just eating my own words like constantly, you know, and hearing <laughs> yeah. someone else say something like, oh, dang, I would have said that. And maybe that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> maybe that's okay that they're where they are right now. Um and trust in the grace of Christ that I was there too. And where I am right now, someone else has to have grace from me, you know, in our disagreements. So I think as, as, in general, Christians should be the first ones, the first ones to not only understand those who are deconstructing, to be able to deconstruct themselves and be able to do that circle again, yeah. you know, because we know that we are continually doing that mm-hmm. until we ultimately see God because we'll never know him fully. It will continue yeah. to be unraveling the beauty and the majesty of God. Yeah, it's it's facts. And even me, you know, I lead. So we've talked about the current program on here. Mm. I'm a master's student. means I'm in my final year on campus. And I actually get to lead the freshman cohort. Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot. If any of you freshmen are listening, I love you guys. Before <laughs> I say this, some of them be saying stuff and I'd be like, they don't even know what they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like it, they they say something that I'm like, man, I remember when I was like that my freshman year. And the temptation is like, I'm going to, I've had this temptation. I've had to pull back from it so much mm. is the temptation. I'm going to go have one conversation with them and yes. then they're going to be where I'm at right now. Woo. And that's not true because guess what? Guys that were in my shoe were having conversations with me about what I wanted to have a conversation with that. And it took me like two years. It took me all my freshman and sophomore year for some of those things to just click. Like, why have I been doing that? And they were right and everything. And you got to let people grow. 
you know, realize those conversations are individual waterings of the seed. And not one watering of the seed makes it fully bloom, makes it fully come into a tree. But part of growth is that as vessels of Christ in the knowledge and experience we've been given, it's the same thing for guys like Dave Smith, guys like Dr. Morgan, Elaine Bernius, um, Stacy Shaw. When they give us their wisdom, they are watering us through the wisdom and discernment that the Lord has given them. And they don't expect us as professors to even at the end of the semester be like this fully like theological, doctrinated like person because these are waterings for the seed of our hearts and that there takes time for growth. It takes time to get to where we need to go. And it's not going to happen with just one conversation. One time we're encouraging. And that's the, and I think that's also the beauty of, of our, it's, a, I would say this, it's the humbling of our humanity, knowing mm-hmm. that we're not, Jesus can change people within an instant. And also Jesus changes people progressively. Um, but we're not the people that are just going to flip our switch and say one smart thing and everything's going to be changed. But God's like, no, this is the point of pursuing pursuing others in the love of my name. He said, it's going to be hard. They're not always going to get it, but that's why we need patience. And that's why we need grace that you talk about. And we have to be more gracious when there's actually progression. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, how often do I want to enter a conversation with a mic drop moment already prepared? Right? Because it feels so good. Yes, it, 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 it feels great. You um, say that fact. <laughs> dude. Like, you get the, hmm. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It feels, yeah, it feels good to be at a place and it can even be a good place, right? You, it, you can even be at a place that is healthy and maybe more aligned with Christ, maybe more aligned with this heart. But the way that you share that the way that you work with someone ultimately is another part of being like Christ. Yeah. Right. Seeing people where they are and saying, am I non anxious enough? Am I non worried enough Mm. to walk with someone slowly? Like the pace of Jesus was slow with people often. Sometimes he was quick to call something out. Sometimes he was slow, right? His disciples misunderstood him for a long time right and but he was slow and patient with them understanding that their framework of who the messiah was was deep within them and it would take a long time to reshape that to make it look more like the father's heart and um yeah i think uh, i'm on that journey right now and man dude there there are countless times during the day where I was, where I was like, man, okay, I think I, I think I did. I think I was patient. I think I did it. And other times I'm like, Oh nope, I couldn't hold back. I said <laughs> something I'm probably going to regret later. Um, but my ultimate goal is that I would be patient. Like you said. Um, and so thankful that others are patient with me. Yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave it at that because, <laughs> that's, because that's... I am the first among those, um, that I'm constantly receiving that grace. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank the Lord that people are patient with us. Amen. Yeah. So to move on and shift gears, we have a question before we ask you about our, your calling into ministry. This is a question that we don't really preference to our guests and everything, but if you could have a cup of coffee with any person in the Bible other than Jesus. Yeah, of course. Obviously. Who would it be? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. 
I know it's a big one, man. It's a lot of homies. So tough. There's so many. Um, I feel like I feel like Paul is one that stands out. Although he seemed like he was pretty busy. Like I don't know if he'd fit me in his schedule. He is honestly running. That's and he seems like he can be upset sometimes. He might be a little. That might be tough sometimes. Great guy, but I don't know if the coffee with him would be great. Um, I feel like for I feel like somebody like I feel like someone like Jeremiah. Ooh. Just that, that's for him. He needs a coffee break, like legit. It'd be a sad one, dude. Oh, it'd be so sad. It'd be so sad. I don't know. Um, uh, Daniel. I don't know. Daniel. Um, he seems like a really solid. I'm trying to think. Um, Most my personal opinion, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Daniel's yeah. the most slept on character in the Bible. Oh, I wonder why you think that, Daniel. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bias is obvious. The bias is obvious. Um. But. Oh man, dude! No, I feel like there's one more though. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm missing someone pretty important. I'm trying to think about whose whose personality would 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 annoy me and that I wouldn't pick. I feel like Joseph, dude. He, walking around with his coat like that, dude. His pride. Come on, dude. Get over yourself. Get over yourself, John. Like the beloved disciple. Come on, like he obviously has a highest view of self. Hey, Amen. If Jesus said, "Hey, oh I kind of love you," the- maybe I don't want to get coffee with any of these guys <laughs> and girls. Like, um, dude. No, I mean honestly, Esther. Yeah, she kills it. She has some uh-huh. stories. Like, um, I mean, maybe Esther. Yeah, maybe Esther would kill it. Um, yeah, let's go with Esther. Let's go, go with, with Esther. Esther. Go with let's Esther. Go with Esther. Right. So we've accumulated. Yes, I got know. Paul be too angry. Pa- Joseph's oh. Joseph full of himself. Dude, he's full of himself. Daniel. They don't yeah. be good. He's just fasting a lot. He might, it's like, just fa- he might be a little hungry. You know, coffee. Hu- he's just, his stomach's growing the whole like, time. I'm just going to have tea today. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the vegan tea. <laughs> but, he, um, he already is vegan. Oh, is, okay, cool. Okay, okay. Why is... um? Also, I, I just want to say, for anybody listening... I love when we do talk about people of the Bible and understand they were humans. Yeah. They oh, were great oh, people. 100%. But Clay just displayed something really beautiful for us. These were also humans. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. They were like, <laughs> damn, like, Ooh, and they were in progress. Uh huh. Man, like they were like, we like a lot of them are in progress. Peter's um, the homie that raises his hand in class all the time and says <laughs> something. He's the one. Do we have homework? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Read the, Peter, read the syllabus. <laughs> read, the syllabus. read the syllabus. Um, no, I, like that's that's facts. Um, one of my favorite songs is by a band called The Collection called Dust. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically, it's from a while ago from the first EP, but it basically just goes through every character that's kind of a major importance and it kind of shares briefly the things that they were known for and the thing that was their downfall. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these characters are so flawed and uh, this is getting deep, but the <laughs> one, one of the things I don't think I realized during Sunday school was like, these characters aren't meant to be like, Oh, go be like David necessarily. Mm-hmm. No, it's see how David is like you. Like we use these characters to look back at ourselves, to see our own faults and our yeah. own strivings through their lens. Like they're a mirror for us. And there's things we might want to like model ourselves after, but I wouldn't model myself myself after like any one character of the Bible, you know, like none of them are the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's easy to forget that in Bible stories and, and what a Bible story is actually doing. And it's also any Bible character at their best 
they were being like Jesus. Mm. So the the constant when you yeah. see good things, like there's sermons out there, like be like David, be like Paul. They were on, they were an echo of at their best of who Jesus was, and yes. that is the beauty of it, is when you see these characteristics of Solomon was wise, you know, mm, yep. Paul was zealous. I mean, this like zeal for going to share the gospel. Um, Daniel was brave and courageous. You know, he, you know, he stood up for his, you know, faith. Stephen, you know, a martyr, you know, mm. stood up for his faith. All these things were God get because of the, because of the spirit of God that was within them. So we look at these characters, notice Jesus within them. And then notice that as you follow Christ and as you go into those things, like that's what we should be looking for is that I'm not trying to be the next, like Peter, I'm not trying to be the next Paul. Whatever the Lord has asked me to go into, I'm going to be like him within that context. Mm. And those people in the Bible inspire us because we see the work of Christ in them. Yes. Their testimonies. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But why, um, why Esther? You know, why, what would you talk about when you're sitting with her? I think, I think her story is just wild. Like, and it's hard. Like, like I'm so far removed from that story. I think I just want to hear her. I think I want to hear her tell that story, right? Mm. And just like, just recognize, like, because first off, being a man and a white man in the 21st century is a little different, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> than being a woman say, of yeah. an oppressed uh, tribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, there's so many, like the, 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 the differences in our life and where we started far outweigh the similarities in my mind in a lot of ways. And so for her, Oh man, like what does it look like to be faithful to God and to your people um, when everything says you can't? Wow. Like, I don't know. Um, I feel like I just want to hear her. I want to hear her, her tell me. Tell me her story. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Hearing it from her perspective. Mm. Just so many different levels to that. Mm. So the best, you know, the primary question we're going to be getting at right now, Clay. What was your call into ministry? And just share what your calling was, but also like the events leading up to it and also how it's progressed over time and everything. Um, and yeah, what's your what's your calling testimony? Yeah. We talked about a little bit about pastor's kids. Um, and, you know, some pastor's kids have a story and it's tough. It's so sad. It breaks my heart of neglect or feeling uh you know like kind of like frustration with the church and what it was to them or forced to be in a church that they disliked it all these different stuff um and my heart breaks for that um that's not my story my story was one of the church really was my life in a positive way um (laughs) the the amount of things that i learned in that environment um I like most of my life lessons like from, from probably uh, five and six years old. uh, My dad started taking me along with him to hospital visits, Mm. um, which sound might sound strange. um, But honestly, um, hearing the stories of people that I don't really remember, but that talk about just having someone's presence who's full of life, who's seen life in just the beauty, right. Amidst so much pain. um, It, I understand why my dad did that, yeah. you know? And uh, so so getting to go to hospital visits and spend 
like hours and hours at the church, just middle of the week when, when like no services are happening, but people are working and sermons are being prepared and ministries are happening and all that. Um, I saw the underneath of the church in a good way. Like I really did see the underneath of it. Um, and so that kind of, that kind of love for ministry actually like kind of developed really early on. Like it was fulfilling in all the ways that I saw and I saw the joy in my parents was the main thing that um, kind of stirred that in me. I saw the their love of people, their love for me and my sisters. Um, and that was so influential in my life. But by the time I got to middle school and beyond, um, <laughs> some of the, the comments by people of like, oh, are you going to join the family business after? You know, are you going to be a pastor yeah, like your yeah, dad? Yeah, yeah. You know, worship like your mom. Um, that just kind of like started like to like, great at me you know and um they title you right yeah yeah and and dude like i can't like say there's anything else it literally was just like pride i lose like no i don't like when you say that i don't mm-hmm. like you telling me who i have to be you know yeah. um <laughs> i mean i want to be a quarterback but i got second five nine and three fourths so that's unfortunate um <laughs> but hey, he could throw a football though. he could phew, man flag football put me on your team number one pick hey le- legit his flag football team this year went from zero and four to final four in the tournament that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying <laughs> but the the moment where i think you know uh, i think some people talk about their moments in different ways whether it's not a moment whether it is a moment i uh, was at follow conference 2016 um, so this was yeah, seven years, six years ago now. And, uh, you know, big youth conference, um, all the kind of things, lights and show and all of that. Um, I've been around that forever, like youth camps and other follow conferences. Like it was nothing new. Um, so the kind of the motion, emotion part was there for me, but it was kind of just the normal. Yeah. It was, it wasn't anything like it was, it was good. It was yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but uh, towards one of the last nights, um, there was a speaker. I don't remember his name. I don't remember really what his topic was. But the question he asked was, what can you do for the rest of your life and feel fulfilled? And feel fulfilled. And no one ever asked me that. Of like, look at your life beyond just high school graduation. Beyond just college. Like, what are you doing that, that the person you are is kind of experiencing delight and joy. Like this kind of, um, this kind of joy I saw in my parents. And so I had thought a lot about film, like a lot, I've done to YouTube and like, so I thought I was going to be a filmmaker, like, like as just a, a secular profession, be a filmmaker. And I love doing that. But as I thought about it and ultimately what it produced in me, um, this kind of performance ultimately, um, I thought about him for the first time ever. It felt not so full. It didn't feel rich. Like that, I did feel delight in it, but not a satisfying delight. I, to a certain amount, felt the delight that the affirmation brought me from making a film that people liked or from doing something that people liked. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of this moment of like, oh, dang, I, I think I actually feel the most delight when I'm serving others, when I'm speaking about Jesus. 
And it was, it wow. was, so it was more like, it was less excitement and more like, oh, frick, I, I like, I kind of knew this underneath. Like I knew this the whole time, but I was really just avoiding it because um, I didn't want other people to think the reasons behind it. So um, like they called people up, they, you know, they had a, a moment of, of, you know, if you're if like, you're called into pastoral vocational ministry. Um, and so got up, got prayed over. Um, and so I, I feel like that, that moment was important. Um, but I feel like the more important moments were all the moments leading up to that, that actually were stirring desire and, um, ultimately like who I was aligning with what I was doing. Um, like those were the moments that I think uh, were really impactful. And that kind of moment was really just kind of like, Oh, okay. This is what it is. Like I have to just let go of my pride right now. So, I mean, there's a moment I always remember, which is calling my dad and mom after like an hour after the service. And, um, They'd heard me talk about just having fun, like, oh, I'm just going to go work at McDonald's for the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to flip burgers. <laughs> and like that always made them annoyed because like they know I wanted to go to college, but I was just like pushing up against it, rebelling. I had to call them and be like, hey, like, no, I, I do want to do this. I think I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, yeah. So that was it was a it was a it was a it was a unique moment um, for me. But I think talking about like how it progressed, man, the, I'll tell you, I walked into college with so much more certainty about my call than I have right now. And I am okay with that. Yeah. Like I am okay with that. Like I loved, and this is again, right. I'm not trying to look back at myself in judgment. Like God was using me right there in ways and he was molding me and shaping me. Dude, but I came in like with 100% certainty of my call, of God's existence. Like I was like, every, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is everything lined up. God told me to be at IWU. Like this was my life and it was clear and unfoggy. And it was really enjoyable and to this have is, that. This is facts, everybody. Like me and Clay were sweet mates coming into college. And when I tell you like us are, you know, we went, we helped lead worship at Shout Out Elevate. Um at Real Life Wesleyan. Youth ministry. Uh, youth ministry. Um, I mean, when we had a conversation about Iwu, he was like, yeah, this going to happen. This going to happen. This is the way this is going to go. It's going to be great and everything. And yeah, just keep letting you talk. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, it, dude. Yeah, throw back to that time to what 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 a sweet, what a sweet of people. Um, Shout out Preston Collier and Brady, Brady Bolden. Bolden. Let's go. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it seems like you know, like an anticlimactic thing of like, you had this moment and then there's like less certainty and somehow that's better. Um, but I really do feel like um, these moments after have been, they've been tough, but it is, it has been, <laughs> it has been somehow the, the lessening of certainty is somehow brought more peace into my life. Um, so I came in like thinking I knew what I would not only like that I knew of my calling, but I was like, I think I know what I want to do mm -hmm. after too. Yeah. Like, I think this is the thing that God's calling me into, not just a vocation. Um, and then I got in and 
I was like, oh, oh, dang, the church is actually like in a tough spot right now. Oh, it's been a tough spot for a while, actually. Um, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like what's happening? Um, and the the real progression for me has has been a slow accepting of the gravity of what I what I feel called into. Yeah. And um, it's been a slow movement of when I raised my hand, walked up to the front, um, that felt much more like winning the lottery. And now it feels, I look back in the moment, I was like, oh, dang, that's a little more like you got drafted into the army. Uh, you know, it's, it's, hey, it's war out there, it's, man. It's different. And yeah, I mean, it is war and those things, but like, there's a weightiness yeah. that I just didn't see. Mm-hmm. I didn't see. And, um, and I knew there were tough moments, but that kind of, oh dang, this isn't something that I can just do haphazardly. Yep. This isn't something that just, oh, like the God selected you because you're the best or because any of the different reasons. Um, and you win the lottery of getting to do this for, you know, a living or bivocationally. Um, but you know, the passages that begin to stop me up are the ones like those who teach those who shepherd will be held to a harsher standard. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is continually, continually uplifting those who are ignorant, we would call them or simple of simple faith even, and kind of putting those in the, like putting the people in their place who do it for a living right? The Pharisees who were living it out as far as the people goes the most, they were living out their faith to the most of the law they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and just realizing, Oh, like I, I have to reconcile if this is actually the kind of path that I want to walk to where God is inviting me into something and it's beautiful. But if I accept it lightly, the danger that can happen to others and myself is, is immeasurable. Yep. Literally like you can, like some of the greatest hurt is spiritual trauma. And that's sadly often caused by people who accepted a call into ministry. Um, and for any number of reasons, didn't truly understand what they were doing, what God was calling them into, what kind of life of self-sacrifice that requires. Um, so it's been a slow shaping of me. Okay, do I actually desire this life of self-sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Do I desire a life that's given for the other? I think my call used to be more about who I am, my passions, my talents. Oh, this is why God called me because I can do these, these, these things. And now it's beginning to be more about to accept this calling looks like me becoming a type of person that is willing to give of myself. And, um, so I'd say I've accepted a calling, but I am accepting this calling. If that makes sense, I'm continually every day. Um, and I don't know if there's, if, if I ever come to a moment where I really feel like, no, I actually, like, I can't fully give myself in this way. Like, like I, like I need to, like, I need to let that be known because it's a, it's a, a weighty thing that we do. Yep when we shepherd people and I never want to do that haphazardly, I want to always do that with a remembrance of the kind of weightiness that, that this calls. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the process of calling, 
that I've been in and will continue to be in for the rest of my life, continuing yeah. to, to accept the kind of life um, in service to God. All of our treasures, if we live our life for Christ, our treasures should be in heaven, right? As pastors and leaders of the church, I think so often that's so much real for us is that doing ministry isn't always the easy task and going out. Um, but I had this image. I had a friend of mine uh, have this dream where he's in front of this huge audience and he's like up on the stage and he's preaching and like like thousands of people, like he, he couldn't even see, you know, how many people there were and everything. He's like, yo, this is insane. And he was wrestling through it. He's like, does this mean I'm going to be like a mega church pastor? <laughs> and he's like, I don't, I'm confused. <laughs> or like, does this mean I'm going to have great influence? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's trying to figure it out. He's like, this wasn't a regular dream. And he's like, there was clearly like a, a almost like a divine presence when he was there. And we, he had a youth pastor share him that dream. And he's like, what if that wasn't, you're going to be a mega church pastor, that you're going to have a great influence. But it is a image of all the people in your life one day. If you get to like older age, all the people in your life that Jesus used you to impact their life. Mm-hmm. And that, that image makes me emotional. Because I look at that and ministry is one of those things that so often I think we have to accept the weight of it, but accept that importance of we're sharing the gospel and caring for people's souls for the opportunity that the Holy Spirit can fix them, not for us to fix them so that Jesus can save them, not so we can fix them. When we hold people accountable for their sins, it's not so we can wash away the sin. So Jesus coming into that acceptance. And then when we see people come into a relationship, it's Jesus doing that divine work. It's never supposed to be like, we're the ones. That's why Jesus says, they will hate you because of me. That you will face suffering because of me. It's not because they hate you. And when we take on that weight, there is this image I, I just get over and over in my head this eternal importance of like I want to be worshiping next to these people I'm ministering to mm-hmm. when I'm in heaven and that is so much important than any hate we could get than any like you know the struggle the struggle is real and we need to be honest about it and be forward about it but I see this this beautiful thing of like we have to have such like a, a heavenly mindset because that's the weight of sharing the gospel is that having that mindset of we want to see heaven come on down to earth and we want to go out and we want people to know Jesus on this earth um, and live the fullness of life. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know about you, that is so not, and we can't take that on as we're saving them and all that jazz. But I, I just agree with you is that in the moments we feel like we won the lottery we don't realize we're going to put the armor on and we're going to, there's a, a war out there between evil and good. And we're stepping into that as shepherds, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the phrase that continually comes up in my mind um, and like what it means to step into calling. I think there's different, I think there's different battlegrounds or, um, places people have to wrestle with of are they willing to accept that 
and it can look different for different people because we all have our own desires, right? We all have the ways that we were formed and naturally want the world to go. We actually want things to go our way. Um, so for some, I, I, I like, I like the analogy of sort of like the, the wedding vows covenant, you know, mm-hmm. like for richer, or poor, for better, for worse, those sorts of things. Uh, and for some people, you know, if, if God is saying, are you willing to follow me for richer, for poor? That's tough. You know, I would struggle with that. You know, it's like, oh, think about it for a second. Like, are you willing to follow me if the image you just talk about wasn't that it was a mega church, but that it was the kingdom impact that you didn't see, for example, you know? And um, yeah, I'll be honest, for me, the one that has struck me, and like, even as I'm on this right now, it's like in the back of my mind, is will you, will you be my servant? Will you be my minister? my shepherd in fame or in obscurity. Mm. Like that is the one that strikes to my heart because like as an Enneagram, like through wing four, just like a way of looking at myself, right? Like, like hey, four indiv- wing, hey, four wing three. Let's Give go. Me a high five. Five. Nice. <laughs> um, we need affirmation and, hey. to be, and to be unique. Let's go. Yes. Um, but like affirmation and being unique. Yeah. Like I I'd say I don't want fame, but I want to be known because like being known is how I know that I have value often. Mm-hmm. And so like some of the scariest thing is thinking about a life. When I was 16 and thinking about that call to ministry, I was in a, like, like thousands of students and big music and people. And like, so when I'm thinking of pastor, I'm thinking of that. Come on. Like, but they don't say who feels called to shepherd 50 people for 50 years. It's like, oh maybe not me. And like, that's got us to do that work in my heart. Um, and so I think the impact, you know, that we see, we have to re our minds have to be renewed and our eyes have to be renewed to be able to see how God, that's just as beautiful for God to use your impact with 50 people, mm-hmm. the kind of kingdom impact that's small and can be trampled over. Right. That's like a little bit of yeast. No, like that kind of kingdom impact. Are we okay with that? Mm-hmm. Because if like, if that's what God is calling and it truly does have impact, why is it so much harder for me to imagine myself doing that and being okay with that and being fulfilled than if I continually see hundreds of people, you know, coming to Christ after I preach a sermon or something. Like <laughs> it's hard for me. It really is hard for me. And so um, yeah, that is the, the, the call is beautiful. It's weighty. Um, but I think we have to, we have to all wrestle with, are we willing to accept whatever God places in front of us as the most good and beautiful, Come on, as the most good and beautiful thing that my life can be. And, um, yeah, so I think that's where I'm, where I'm in the middle yeah. of right now, wrestling with and, and, uh, and pursuing. A great passage that goes with that is Matthew 28. I want to face this parable starts in verse 13 and then goes mm-hmm. to like verse like 28. But it's about the parable of the talents. Yep. And there's an important part that people miss, but Jesus gives five talents. Just to give you like a run through if you haven't heard this parable. 
he tells this parable about a master. He's going away and he wants to give to some of his servants to help run, you know, pretty much, let's just use a modern word, business. Be like if the CEO left to go on vacation, he took like five of his members, like, hey, I want you to run this business. He gives one servant five talents. He gets another two and then the last one won. And it says this powerful line, he gave to them according to their abilities. And the expectation was they would go and they would use that and they would grow it. The return comes back. The fifth one went, he doubles it, and he has 10 talents. The two talents person comes back, he has four. And then the person with the one talent, he went and dug it into the ground because he didn't want to risk it and lose it. So he just went and dug it in the ground and he comes back with one. I could tell you the whole story, but I really just want to focus on the five and the two. The five and the two come back and they've given their allowance of doubling it because they invested it. And both times the master says the same line to them both. Mm. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You will faithful with a few. So now I will give you much. Notice the same response he gives to the person that he gave more responsibility to. Mm. Jesus, he gave one five because he knew the person with the five could handle five. And he gave one two because he knew the person could handle the two. They didn't need to compare each other. Yeah, the master yeah. just knew their capability. What if the person with the two was like, why does he get five? But why was the same response given? Because that's an analogy that Jesus doesn't care about us doing the biggest things on this earth. He cares about us being faithful with what he's given us. It's not about comparing, oh, he gets to lead this size of a church, or he gets to lead this big of a ministry, or he's at a small church, or he's at a big church, or he or she, you know, this person that I'm looking at, like, oh, she gets a big ministry, or she gets a small ministry, or like, it's not about that. As people, as servants of the thing, we need to be honored that the master is giving us something, and he knows our capability, so he's giving according to that. And that's the focus, and that's what I love about what you just said, Clay, is that it's not about comparing how much we're giving or how big the things we are doing. It's asking us the question, no matter what the master gives us, are we going to be faithful? And then if we are that way, when we come to the end of the life, won't we all hear that same response? Mm. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. Would the pleasure of Jesus be enough? Would that's like that's my prayer, man. Would the, would the pleasure of Jesus be enough? Would I believe? Would I believe in Jesus enough for the pleasure of Jesus be enough? You know, like is that takes real belief to say like, at the end of the day, like, like I got nothing holding back. Yeah. If I get to the end of this life, it's like oops wasn't actually true. The thing I put my faith in, then I got nothing to show, like I got nothing to show for it. it mm -hmm. Theoretically, right? Um, but there is such beauty. Saying this pleasure of Jesus thing is like, that's what we were made for. It's not a, I'm not, uh, it's not a real sacrifice because ultimately I'm coming into what I was made for. Um, every single person, no matter their calling, no matter their vocation, where you are, that pleasure of Jesus is what you were made for. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's so beautiful. So, there is another thing 
that we want to get into real quick. Um, Clay has done something pretty cool for the last, you want to say like year and a yeah, half? Yeah, yeah. So um, last year. Yeah. Last year. Um, he has been coming together and he's been creating a documentary and I'm not even going to go more into it. And Clay, I just want you to explain this documentary, your heart behind it. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm super excited because um, I have the opportunity through the school and through some opportunities to get to make something people hopefully like see. There's kind of this thing where you work all college for a lot of things in school and you're like, who wants to see my transcript for fun? You know, it's like nobody, nobody, nobody wants, to, wants to see your like, papers. Dude, no, like not even my best friends get a paper. Like I'm like, I, I remember reading this paper, like making this paper and so proud to my friend. He's like, Oh, I didn't get to it, man. You know? And so, um, I had the opportunity to make this kind of final project and, uh, and I had decided like, let me actually hopefully do something people will benefit from. Yeah. Um, so it started within myself that I recognized as a Christian ministry major, three years in, I still was terrified to read the Bible. Yeah, and like, I was like, Oh, that's a problem. That's pretty tough. That's not just a problem for me. That's, that's a pro that's a bigger problem. And so I began to just look into this and saw that, um, some stunning things, 86% of evangelicals say the number one thing they want from their church is more help reading the Bible. Like, yeah. like that's, that's facts and it's hard. And most of them also replied that they weren't getting it. Um, so I began to just see things piled on. Um, I began to see um, really the pain that our culture was feeling the, the lack, the loss of respect because Christians seem to be not able to understand their own scripture, disagree mm -hmm. like, um, and the way the scripture been used in segregation and slavery and Christian nationalism, all of these ways made me like frustrated and scared and confused with the Bible. And I had felt for three years on campus, a kind of shame that came along with the Bible because this kind of text of our faith that we're supposed to know how to read, people didn't know how to read it. And yeah. so they felt like a bad Christian and shame. And so uh, it inspired this project called Reading Blind, the mm -hmm. urgent need for Christians to understand the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and what it is, is it looks at our current state of scripture and saying, what if biblical literacy, as we kind of hear that thrown around, isn't just how much, uh, how many stories you know about, you know, can you, do you know which language the Bible is written in? Like, these are facts about the Bible. What if it was biblical literacy was actually just, can you read and understand the Bible? It's not about reciting facts. Can you engage in it faithfully and be transformed to the power of the Holy Spirit? Can you, um, and that is really what biblical literacy is about. And so um, I've had the, the honor to interview uh, people like Rich Velotis, um, author of The Deeply Formed Life, people like Samuel Perry and Andrew Whitehead who wrote Christian Nationalism in the United States, um, tons of amazing people, professors from IWU, um, interviewing lay people and pastors and theologians and sociologists, right? Everywhere and saying, what is this problem? Like, what does it mean for us to kind of have lost our way with the Bible? And is there hope for a better understanding of the Bible? So on 421, 21 or Come 22, on. 22, 
oh man, I think in my trailer I actually put 21. Oops. <laughs> that is, I just literally thought about that. There's a trailer out online. Um, so if you type in Clay Crawford uh, or Reading Blind, um, either one of those, you'll find uh, the trailer. But on 4 22 uh, releasing this uh, short documentary, about 30 minutes, um, that looks at what is what happens when Christians lose their story that they live by. And is there hope for us to reclaim a better reading of scripture um, and ultimately remember who we are? Come on. Remember the story that we're living into. Um, because if we don't remember that story, we'll just live into another story, right? We'll live into a consumerism, we'll live into individualism, nationalism, and we'll make that our story. Mm-hmm. And as uh, Glenn Powell in our documentary says, whatever Bible you do get, whatever verse of the day that you get, you'll just fit into that story. You'll add the Bible into whatever narrative you're living into ultimately. And so I think this project is vitally important. And my, my dear hope is that at the end of this documentary, the ultimate goal is not that someone would know how to perfectly read the Bible, that they would be so scared to read the Bible. No, the purpose is that which we can't be neutral with the Bible. There's no neutral stance, right? Christians need to be discipled in the word faithfully or else we have a blind faith, we have a blind Christianity. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so excited about it. There's a lot more work to do, but um, it's been, it's been so exciting to get to experience this together. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. I know other people are really excited and uh, everybody that's listening, um, we're going to have a link for his trailer of the documentary under um, within like the details and all that in the bio of this podcast episode. And I really encourage you to watch it. I, and I think you'd be okay for me saying this. I encourage you to realize that like watching this is not meant for you to feel some type of like, man, I'm really off track from reading the Bible, but the heart posture of what he's saying is that this is an encouragement. Mm. I mean, this is a, this is a calling of like an invitation of there is a way to read this word and you don't have to feel those shameful things of, I don't have to do this. You don't have to feel that pain of, man, am I doing this all wrong? But there is this, you know, there's this grace that God gives us as we learn and discover how to read his word. And I don't know if you want to say more more about that. Absolutely. And um, what I don't want to do is add on more law. Yeah. Right? Because it's easy to add on more law. um, And I've been there, scared to read the Bible. People can come at the Bible from many different places. They can come at it with complete ignorance and just belief that they can read it and automatically apply it to themselves and have some really hurtful interpretations where they can be entirely terrified of it. Like I was not wanting to do it wrong. So I don't do it at all. Um, But wherever you are on that, right? Whether the Bible is something you don't know how to read it, you do know how to read it. You're scared, whatever place you're at. The goal is that, like you said, we would receive an invitation Mm -hmm. to a life in remembrance of who we are. Like the Bible is a story. It's a true story. Yep. But it's the story that we live into. Come on. The redemption story. This is where we find out who we are and what we are meant to be. That's why the Bible is important. It's not important because yep. it's a rule book or a handbook or a car manual, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's so much more than that. 
Um, and so I think for, I think this documentary may be something for each, for different for each person. And it may strike a chord differently. Um, but I think, um, I think there are, there, there's an opportunity to, to see the ways God is inviting you into, into this story. That's beautiful. It is. It's a very beautiful story. So Clay, normally how me and Griffin like to end our episodes is by, we're going to, I'm going to ask you, how can I be praying for you? Um, and we're going to pray for you. But before we get there, we have a time of affirmation based off everything we've heard from this episode and my affirmation to you. Um, and honestly, like, so just to get everybody to realize this is that me and Clay have known each other now. Gosh, it's like 17, yeah. 17 years. Yeah. yeah 17 years. Um, both of our dads have done ministry together before and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I knew I was with Clay in uh, Sunday school in like pre-K, like, you know, four years old, you know, running around. Um, and then I, my dad went to lead pastor at a different church, but me and him saw each other every year. And at any any different Wesleyan church event, you know, big event, you know, I saw Clay Crawford there. Um, and literally, hey, shout out Denton Camp, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ignite Camp. That's moved now. But yeah. Denton Camp. Uh, but... I've get to see a lot of progression and then my senior year of high school, um, us being able to do stuff together and us being able to lead worship together. And I've seen, we've both seen a progression in each other. Mm. And my affirmation for you, Clay, is that keep on the road that you're on. I, I love the fact that everything you thought life was going to be was shaken because it brings you closer to the way that God is shaping your life. It also brings us closer to this mentality of, I think you have such this beautiful mindset of, and man, I'm going to say it this way. Uncertainty for many people is something that pushes people away Mm. for you, but you've taken uncertainty and doubt as an invitation to walk in being scared, but it's not like fight or flight for you. You know, it's, it's a fight you have fought for your understanding of the word you have fought for your understanding of God because you knew it wasn't just something you were going to read one book about and then just Mm -hmm. give a checklist. And I think the Lord has created such a beautiful testimony in you. It's going to help so many people in the future that are struggling, that are doubting, that are deconstructing and you saying, Hey, you have a place at the table Mm -hmm. because I, I ate with Jesus on this stuff. He sat with me. He showed me grace. And I love that about you, man. And just even as you're doing this documentary, another thing about you is you're incredibly um, diligent and determined. You're so determined with the things you do. And I know that this po- I, I know that this documentary is going to be so special. Um, because I know you're going to put your whole heart into it. And you're going to make sure that they, you know. Any rock you can look under, you're going to go after, like we were talking about before this episode. Um, And it shows your character, because I think that's also going to be the way you're going to love people. You're going to be determined that they not just know this one part of Jesus that's going to cover everything, but your determination is going to be like, I want to walk with you so that you can see Jesus in the fullness that we're supposed to see it. 
And dude, I know if you keep that mindset, I don't care how big your ministry is. I know that people, you won't be Jesus to people, Clay, but you will bring Jesus to them. And that's going to change people's lives. And I'm excited for you, dude. Um, I'm excited also that we're going to be near each other. Me and him are both going to be in ministries that are close to each other after college. And I love pretty much any, every conversation I have with you because it's always, it, it makes all my crazy thoughts be like, <laughs> oh, I'm not so crazy. And then also at the same time, so many things you say that challenge me to look at things differently. So Dude, yeah, thank dude. you so much. <laughs> I, I so appreciate that, man. Really do. Um, so yeah, how can um how can I pray for you now and kind of going forward? Mm. It's always mm. a loaded question. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no small thing. Let me just spill my guts here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not afraid to. Like, mm-hmm. let's get it. Um, <laughs> you can pray. Uh, for me to stay rooted. Like I think it goes along with what you're saying. You know, there's a lot of um. We live, you and I are from a generation, Generation Z, that is by far the most unrooted. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of a lot of good things we do, and I am and I I'm proud to be part of this generation. But uh, we we are struggling in so many ways, and I'm a part of that. Like the anxiety that comes with identity. And uh, so, man, pray for me. I mean, like, pray for the documentary. But pray, like, dude, this documentary has been a been a minister to my heart as much as anyone else, you know? And, and part of that is remembering who I am, you know? And that comes through the word and that comes through conversations like these. Um, so prayer for um, the ways that God is continually rooting me, reminding me that my identity, my worth flows entirely from his identity, that I am created, um, wholly loved. And uh, yeah, because goodness, do I need that, right? In our generation, we continually minister to people who are struggling and wrestling with that, um, desperate for something that is real. Come on. Well, shoot, brother. Let me pray for you. Thank you so much. I am actually, so you guys are going to hear a pause for a second. I'm pulling up a scripture that I thought of Mm -hmm. as you were talking, and I just want to pray it over you. Come And what day again is it going to be coming out? Just so everybody can hear. Yeah, April 21st. If you're mm-hmm. near Iwu, uh, the Globe Theater. Got that locked down for 1 p.m. Got it locked down. Got it locked down. Um, and I'm talking about my parents are flying out for this dang thing. <sighs> I know. I was I was like, I was like, you guys. Um, but no, please, uh, yeah, feel free to come. See it online. Share it with someone you think that might need it. It's going to be better than Spider-Man No Way Home, everybody. Yeah, dude, the cameos in this movie are sick in this documentary. He's got an interview with Andrew Garfield. Dude, I know, yeah, dude. Andrew Garfield, Toby McGuire, they're all in it. Former Catholic monk, Andrew Garfield. Yes, absolutely. All right, let me pray for you, brother. Lord, I just come to you now, and I just pray the prayer of Ephesians 4 over Clay. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, 
just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Lord, I just pray for Clay. That, Lord, that he continues to live that life worthy of his calling. That, Lord, as he goes through this process of this documentary, he steps into a ministry job. Lord, may he be completely humble and gentle. May he be patient and bearing with those around him in love. May he bear with those people that are hard to minister, the the people that are easy to minister to at times when things are so hard and we just want to hurry and we just want to, you know, we just want to help people. We are patient and trust in the healing power that you have. And Lord, that I pray that even with this documentary, that as he goes forward with this, that these are things that he, we are making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because Lord, if anything, we need to be unified by the Word, not divided because of the Word. And Lord, I pray that that unity comes through things like this, that um, you're, I know that your Spirit is on this documentary, and that prayer of that God is over all, through all, and in all. And I know that you are in this documentary. You are over. You are through it. I know that you are in clay, and you are through the words that he speaks. And Lord, I just pray as he goes forward with all of these things going on, my prayer is that he just looks a little bit more like you every single day. That every day he chooses that call, I get this image of almost like when Jesus at the garden of Gethsemane, and he's the weight of it all is on him. Something that none of us can even imagine, but he simply says, "But it's not my will, but your will be done." And every day that we feel that weight, we feel the heaviness of this call. We're like, "Man, do I even want to do this?" We just say, "Lord, if it is your will, let that be so." Let me live by your will and nothing else. Because God, ultimately, we know that that's the fulfillment of our life. It's that this call isn't just a lifestyle. God, this calling is the way you made us to be. And ultimately, our identity is not in the job we get, but in the, our identity is in you, Lord. And that's why we do it, because we want to serve you. And Lord, I pray that whoever needs to see this documentary, who never needs that, that peace of knowing that there's a way to study the word and know it and understand it, I pray it finds them. And in Jesus' name, amen. And thank you. Thank you so much. It's been so great. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you all for listening. That is on the podcast. We just want to give a few shout outs real quick. Thank you to Catadonia. You guys can, of course, like always find them on Spotify. They are the ones that have made our introduction song and music and they are continually to release music. So again, uh, please uh, go and check those guys out. We also just want to thank STM and Indiana Wesleyan University for help providing the equipment that we use, also providing the spaces that we need. Um, and ultimately, we just want to thank uh, 
you guys for listening because um, you guys are just a big part about this and we love you so much. So we will see you guys next week. Peace.
Seasons come and 